0: hello at cd media we are literally the tip of the spear from ukraine to the vaccine to brazil we've been at the tip of the spear on all these stories early so if you want to know what's going on in the world early before the rest of the news catches up watch cd media but you know what we have to make money so we do have ads on the sites but i know people don't like pop-up ads they don't like ads it's a problem i mean you get them on your phone etc if you don't like ads You can sign up for our no-ad subscription, which is a few bucks a month. You get access to all of our sites, not just CD Media, but the Manhattan, the Miami Independent, the Connecticut Sentinel, the Georgia Record, Armed Forces Press, Tsarism overseas in Eastern Europe, and CDM Espanol if you speak Spanish. So all of these sites are available with no-ads. So sign up for our no-ad subscription. You can find it on the website. There's a pop-up and also in the top menu. And, And pay us a few bucks a month, support free media support your children's future, support the fight against the corrupt media narrative. Thank you very much. And now let's get to our guest.
1: everybody i'm christine dolan i'm the host of global conversations in plain sight and we are delighted to have with us tonight dr philip altman phil welcome to the
2: show thank you very much
1: so phil you're down in australia and you used to be the founder and the ceo of pharmaco which is uh, you were the go-to guy in australia for if any pharmaceutical from overseas wanted to get the market in australia they would hire your company and you and you were one of two people in Australia that would basically explain to those people who wanted the market in Australia for vaccinations or drugs what their rules and regulations were.
0: Yeah. So you definitely. you
1: sold you sold your company. Uh, you're still in touch. You're considered an expert in terms of clinical trials and regulations and following the rules. And you and I met in August of uh, 2022 because we were both participating in the cross-party COVID discussion that Senator Malcolm Roberts uh, put up. It went for, I think it was eight hours, and your presentation was extraordinary. So tell, tell me what got your attention as the COVID vaccine, you know, came on this, or as COVID came on the scene and the, and the conversation turned to
2: vax is the only answer. Well, I was just like everyone else, right? I knew very little about COVID, um, uh didn't know anything about mRNA vaccines, but I don't think anyone did. Um, Certainly our TGA here didn't know anything about it, I'm sure. And I suspect the US FDA knew very little about it too. Um, And what what caught my attention in the beginning was the uh, demonization of ivermectin, which is one of the world's most useful drugs, and one of the drugs that has one of the highest therapeutic indexes in the world. That means it's 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 one of the safest, right?
1: And it's also one and it's on the WHO's essential list <laughs> Absolutely. as
2: hydroxychloroquine. Absolutely. And 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 you can go online, and I think there's still a tweet up with a US. FDA was, was, was saying, you are not a horse. Don't take this horse worming medication. Now, that characterization of uh, Ivermectin was dead wrong. They mm-hmm. lied. That was a lie. They were lying to you in the US, they were lying to us in Australia, they were lying around the world. And I immediately became very suspicious about what was going on. And I know that when it, you're looking at gene-based therapies and there are not many of those gene-based therapies that have been approved, right? Uh, because they, they are risky. Gene-based therapies mm-hmm. have another level of uh, risk in terms of safety and certainly their manufacturing is very, very complicated. And their testing and quality control is very complicated. And, and also they that-
1: they included them in the United States. I don't know if they included them into uh, the definition. I don't know if, see, here in the United States, they changed the definition of vaccine. They included sure. it with mRNA, and I kept on thinking, well, th- that's not true because these are not live. These are synthetics. So did they change the definition of vaccines in Australia as well? Uh,
2: I, think, I think they had to because, because, because these things are not vaccines in the conventional sense of the word. they we, we now know, and it's not in dispute by anyone that cares to look at the data, that these COVID-19 vaccines neither prevent infection nor do they prevent transmission of infection. This has been admitted by Pfizer in the EU parliament in recent times, which hit the headlines. But But if you knew the data, more than a year ago, you knew that fact. In fact, the US FDA said that when they originally approved under EUA, the Emergency Use Authorization, if you look at their press statement, um, which I've presented at in various meetings, mm-hmm. um, they say categorically, uh, these, these, these COVID-19 vaccines did not prevent Transmission of the virus, but no one took any notice. That didn't matter. So there were lies from the very beginning,
1: and they, they said they said that they're safe and effective, which th- that just wasn't true. They 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 you know they're not safe and effective for everybody because I interviewed vax injured very early on in the beginning of 2021 during the early rollout here in the United States. I couldn't get any of them to go on camera because they were afraid, and until like end of July. Uh, early August of 2021, because they were afraid of being called anti-vaxxers. They were being rejected by their doctors. Uh, There was a link between their shots and their multiple injuries. And Fauci's people were saying that, you know, no, they're urban legends. And that was when I said, oh no, they're not urban legends. I'm talking to them. I've been talking to these poor people who have been injured and ignored, you know, for the last six months. So we put them on camera. How did you, when you were going through this process and you were talking to some of
2: your colleagues, what was their reaction? Well, that's, that's interesting. Um, I've attempted to talk to some of my colleagues and um, they have remained silent. Now, there are literally hundreds of people around the world with my level of experience as an external consultant and having worked for dozens and dozens and dozens of multinationals and biotech companies, Sasha Latopova is, uh, is one of them. And that's, right. that's, that's why when she speaks, uh, you, you really need to listen. And we have interviewed
1: um, her several times. I, I I consider her a colleague in this because she has worked, as you have for, I think she's worked for 60 pharmaceutical companies, yeah. uh, consulted with many, even had Pfizer invest in her company. So, I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. the level that you and the sashes of the world are is very high up there because you know the rules, the regulations. You're hired to be the cop for the <laughs> pharmaceutical companies when they want to go into a foreign market.
2: Yeah, well, well, The advantage of uh, getting a perspective from people uh, like Sasha and myself is that we're right across the whole process from the very beginning to the very end. And unless you know the regulatory affairs, which is coming at the end, you don't know how to develop a drug. Um, And that was my business, helping people to understand the regulations, to design the clinical trials to run the clinical trials, to report the clinical trials and so forth. Let me just go back to the claim of safe and efficacious. It is not possible for anyone that knows anything about pharmaceuticals to claim that a product is safe and efficacious if it hasn't been fully approved. These things in the U.S are available under emergency use authorization, which means the usual complement of quality, safety, and efficacy data has not been generated, has not been evaluated. The same thing here, the provisional approval system, which we use in Australia, under which these so-called vaccines have been made available, um, acknowledges that the usual complement of quality, safety, and efficacy data has not been submitted. And these companies have up to six years to produce this data. So how can anyone without qualification claim they're safe and efficacious? That is a lie. When When I was trained in the industry, I was trained never to use the word safe in an unqualified way no pharmaceutical is safe and now we're actually finding out that these COVID-19 vaccines are actually not classified as pharmaceuticals by the US Department of Defense and um, that has been breaking news in recent times and that explains a lot of things that I really never understood uh before about a month ago and the information was hiding in plain sight for everyone to see if mm-hmm. you cared to look and it's not a conspiracy theory and and it is chilling stuff and well, let's
1: let's let's go through this because we have we have talked about um Through Brooke Jackson's case, uh, we did find out by Pfizer's response in their motion to dismiss, they called it an OTA contract. And for those people who don't understand, that means that it's a Department of Defense. OTA contract is defined, and I'm going to keep it simple so people understand, that you can blow out the manufacturing and the clinical trials regulations, if you like, and just deliver a product. And they can call it whatever the hell that they want to call it on the market. Uh, so there's basically no ethical lines, boundaries, following of the rules, no. and no. and and that. No. But but again, in that particular case, the Department of Defense has now said no. They do. You know, Pfizer has to. Follow the rules. So that's going to be a point of contention in that lawsuit, but the, but the, the, and this is one of the reasons why I feel that I have been telling everybody in, in um, other countries, it is très important that all of the people who are get trying to get to the bottom of it, get a hold of the contracts between the U.S. pharmaceutical companies who have signed contracts, Pfizer being one with you guys in Australia, Pfizer being with, you know, Brazil, Israel, uh, some of them are exclusive, but, but all of the U.S., pharmaceutical companies' contracts need to come to the surface. In Uruguay, Pfizer's and the president's office said in court in Uruguay, no, this, these are confidential. No, they're not confidential because they can break that veil of corporate structure of confidentiality if there's fraud that's involved. And how it's sold to the public is can be considered fraud if you do not have informed consent uh, and if yeah. you do not understand that this is a DOD product where everything is allowed with no boundaries that, you know, I mean, in the interest in public interest, that needs to be exposed. So you, what, what happened with you, you and your colleagues decided to write this paper, uh, and article. how do I describe it? It's an article. It's a medical article and it's called it national security imperatives, compromise COVID-19 vaccine safety. And it was published, yeah. um, Ten days ago, about 10, December nineteenth and so yeah. I wanted to talk to you about this because you lay out a very strong argument that cannot be ignored. Uh, matter of fact, I think some of your language uh, when you call it unwise I, I would call it criminal at this point, but I understand the, the, you know that you guys want to be clear about this, but you do you do say in the very beginning in the abstract, you call this a secret military response to a public health matter yeah. It, that must have been hard for for you all to agree to to say and to write. Well,
2: well, once we understood what was going on, and uh, the documents are clear, mm-hmm. you, you you don't have to embellish it. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't have to embellish it. Uh, once once you are acquainted with the documents that Catherine Watt and Sasha. Has, have, uh, have presented to the world, uh, the situation is very clear. We, we just pulled together that information in an Australian perspective, but it really does apply everywhere. It, it explains why these COVID-19 vaccines weren't pulled off the market more than a year ago.
1: Well, explain, explain uh, that, because I think that they should be. I don't think anybody should be let up the hook. I don't care who was the contracting parties to this. Just because it's a military contract does not necessarily mean that they can use human beings as experiments, because that still is in breach of the Nuremberg Code. Yeah,
2: that, that's exactly right. Um, mm-hmm. So the, the data has been clear. And uh, up until a month ago, people used to ask me, uh, various groups used to ask me, well, Phil, we'll um, are the TGA and the FDA incompetent? Um, <laughs> are, they, are they corrupt? Um, are they stupid?
1: What, Can they be that stupid?
2: Are they really stupid?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I would look them straight in the eye and I would say, I have dealt with these people for decades, really difficult files. Really, I, I used to get the most difficult files because when people had a problem with the TGA here, they used to come to me mm-hmm. and I used to do the appeals. So I've met some very difficult files and our TGA, I can tell you, are world-class. They have good people. but. Why are they doing this? Why aren't they seeing all these red flags? It's 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 not it's not one or two red flags. Let's let's be clear about this. There's a dozen red flags that have been dropped more than a year ago.
1: Let's let's go through this because you 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 actually uh, state this in in this document. Yes. You you go through this. Uh, you say that that the nature of gene based vaccinations okay as opposed to what we would call traditional vaccinations you you criticize the operation warp speed as a red flag because it normally would take 10 years to approve a vaccination and yet it's it's (laughs) what a couple of months for a new gene therapy that is now redefined as a vaccination in the traditional sense which is a lie i mean that that's a that's somebody who consciously and with no conscience, intentionally deceives. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, you... I you, believe you, that's the case. And then you go on to the acceleration of the development, the legal framework in terms of which way this this move through. And also you you get into the countermeasures of it and the rush to large-scale manufacturing. I mean, my understanding is according... If you... If, there's a whole process within not just the clinical trials, but also within the manufacturing at each stage of manufacturing, when you add a new element, it has to be tested at that stage, not just at the end of the batch as we call it.
2: Absolutely. So, so none of the normal rules, none of the normal guidelines applied in developing the so-called vaccines, mm-hmm. in working them up, in testing them in animals, and in designing the clinical trials, in uh, doing the uh, specialized gene, uh, gene therapy type safety testing, mutagenicity, genotoxicity, embryo toxicity, and so forth. You know, a lot of things were avoided or not done very well and done very quickly because they were under the command and control of the U.S. Department of Defense. And this explains why so many things were not done well. The original trial was appalling. You could drive a truck through it. It didn't prove that it, it prevented people from getting seriously ill with COVID, or keeping them out of hospital, or preventing them from dying. It it didn't prove any of that. It was based on 170 individuals, not 44,000. We've been lied to from the very beginning. And and it is serious stuff now. It is serious stuff because the the regulatory agencies are not changing course. The so-called health experts here in Australia and elsewhere are not changing course. COVID-19 is much less virulent, not nearly as dangerous as people said it was. That was completely overblown with the PCR test. That's another story. Um, And they denied early treatment. Now, they're continuing on despite the fact that they've made so many mistakes. And these COVID-19 vaccines, without a doubt, are associated with the highest incidence of serious adverse events and death than any pharmaceutical ever released in history. Even even 1% of the problems, that had been reported in relation to these vaccines, had they been reported to any other drug that's available now, it would have been taken off the market immediately. 1% of the problems. That's how bad this is. I can't overestimate the threat to human health that these vaccines are posing. And I'm only talking about Relatively short-term effects now, right? I haven't even begun to talk about the long-term effects. And you can see all over the world with the excess death data, which they're trying to bury in various national bureaus of statistics, both here and in the UK and elsewhere. uh, They're trying to bury the stats that there's some unknown cause of stroke, heart attack, cancers, neurological disease that have arisen coincident with the introduction of these vaccines. And no one, no health agency has commented, has postulated why that could be, except to say maybe the lockdowns prevented people from going to hospital to uh, be be diagnosed for cancers. Well, I don't buy that. Okay, There's that's the, that's the, the obvious. The obvious question. The obvious answer. The obvious candidate mm-hmm. are the
1: vaccines. That's true. That's true. And and it's they're they're going to denounce. They're going to deny. They're going to deflect. And they're going to try to blame it on something else. Let me ask you some questions, Phil, because you, you have been in the business. Um, mRNA vaccinations were put on the table during SARS and MERS. So this goes back 15 years ago or so. There was a test done on the, on the mice at that time, and they found that the mRNA damaged or killed the mice. All right. That was known to people. So when they were first talking in 2020 as COVID disease was allegedly sweeping the world, and then by spring 2020, vaccination was the only answer with Fauci. That's how it was presented here in the United States, because they were denying, BARDA was denying money to early treatments. They were saying that they were doing it, but they really weren't. I mean, remdesivir was a bad choice if they wanted to use that as an example because it does shut down your organs. But having said that, how many people do you think realize, because there was a paper that was published, it was a pre-publication of an article in January of 2020, by some people saying that, in fact, mRNA should not be used on humans? I think it was a fairly
2: small group. And people were mesmerized by the fear. Um, it didn't um, didn't uh, make it very easy to question these valuable, innovative, so-called vaccines that were developed by the pharmaceutical industry which which is wrong in in, its, in itself the pharmaceutical industry were subcontractors to the department of defense
0: um don't don't many people
2: defense
1: should have known and, and, uh, and the question raises did Pfizer contract with your with
2: the Australian department of defense sure the US department of defense Um, If if you look at some of the references that I included in my paper, Mm -hmm. have been uh, tinkering with RNAs as bioweapons uh, for a long time, for many years. They know about RNAs, but they've been dealing with um, uh, uh, short RNAs, uh, short chain ones. The, explain, the,
1: the, the, explain the difference to the audience, Phil, about that.
2: All right. Okay. So, so there's there's uh, RNAs uh, can be very short. Short. They can they can be composed of nucleotides that are only about sixteen to eighteen units long, or twenty units long, or so. Um, and these. Um, RNAs uh, can have a dramatic effect. They can turn on and off genes, right? If you can get them into cells. So the Department of Defense has been, been tinkering with these for some time. And that they, they have enormous facilities at their disposal for research and development. Uh, these COVID-19 vaccines, so-called vaccines um, are actually not even a drug. Because, because the mRNA within the lipid nanoparticle is not the active component. The active component is the spike protein that the RNA codes for, mRNA codes for. When you work up a drug, when you develop a drug, and you have a pro drug like these COVID 19 vaccines are, um, you always work up primarily the active constituent. That is the spike protein in this case. Complete toxicology should have been done on the spike protein. Had they have done that and not been in such a rush, they would have seen it was cardiotoxic.
1: Not only that, that, you, you raise this in your paper, you say, are the COVID vaccines pharmaceutical products? So you address this. well. Whoa. And it's it's scary because the fact that they, they there's nobody this stupid who's working on vaccinations in the bioweaponry area for the Department of Defense, or anybody else in collusion with any other government across the world that would not know, and this is this is my position. They had to have known that spike protein was toxic. Look,
2: wouldn't they? Look, I. I've been asked that before as well. I can't get into people's minds. I, I don't really want to. I, I don't want to speculate like that. All I try and do is disseminate information that I know, that I've learned over decades in dealing with regulatory agencies. And I know that RTGA and the US FDA would have known the data to support these dossiers for these so-called vaccines was incredibly poor. And in normal circumstances, they would never have allowed them to be marketed. And they still don't. They've given them provisional authorization here in Australia and EUA in the US. But the US Department of Defense would have known there were serious, serious risks. Now, whether or not RTGA here and the US FDA knew in the beginning that these products, I won't call them pharmaceuticals because they didn't comply, they didn't comply to the development guidelines or normal authorizations pharmaceuticals, the, the way a normal pharmaceutical would have been researched and, and developed. So they are countermeasures. Now, whether or not the, the Australian TGA here actually, the people that do the evaluation that received the dossiers knew that they were countermeasures, I, I don't know. All I know is that more than a year ago, They knew this group of products were producing more serious adverse events and associated death than any drug in history. And yet they've been silent. That I cannot explain. That is inexcusable. In the beginning, I didn't know much about them. And I presume that RTGA didn't know much about these so-called gene-based vaccines. So how can I expect them to know if I, if I knew nothing about them? Now they have external consultants. They work with a, a whole range. I know some of them. These are eminent people, right? These are people who are world-class and the TGA do not have the expertise to evaluate every new breakthrough drug. Of course they don't. The drug companies should have the expertise. They should tap into the expertise worldwide, wherever it is, and pay whatever it costs to do that. And I was plugged into that system. But that's not the system that worked to bring these things to the market. This, that system was circumvented by the U.S. Department of Defense. They had command and control over what was researched, the standards that would apply, who would do what and when. And the U.S. FDA and RTGA here were just actors. They had no authority to approve these things. They're countermeasures. They're they're acting as if they approve them.
1: And and, and, uh, and the countermeasures come under the bioweaponry department. I mean, there's fancy names, acronyms for it here in the United States. Yeah. DTRA for yeah. one, DTRA for another, DITRA, however they pronounce sure. it. They have them in your country, in Australia. Look, I was on off. some phone calls in April of 2020 mm-hmm. with some business leaders when I listened to people from Gavi and CEPI trying to justify the mRNA vaccinations. And I thought to myself, you guys are, you know, this is rubbish that you in Australia are listening to because they were targeting these people because they wanted to, the, they, they wanted, the, it's like they wanted to bring in people and they were selling it. This, this, this is this is the only answer. This is going to get us back to normalcy. This is going to open up because you were sh- so shut down in Australia and so many of the provinces. Yeah. Well, For,
0: I mean, it's draconian. Can,
2: <clears throat> look, you you can understand why the U.S. Department of Defense and other national defense agencies have mechanisms in case of emergency. In case of of attack to produce countermeasures to counter the attack, uh, whether they be biological or chemical or nuclear, radiological, whatever it is. And they have to move fast and they have to balance risk versus benefit, right? And this is why. When you develop a countermeasure, you don't have two years to get it through the US FDA and to have all these meetings and everything else, right? So you have to understand that there's this mechanism there. But I think what has happened here is, is that certain people saw an opportunity with COVID to exert control, and that's a whole other story, right? That's a whole Mm -hmm. other story. And they use COVID as a method of control. And here was this mechanism within the US Department of Defense to develop countermeasures which circumvent all known laws, drug regulation, safety issues, everything. Makes it legal. But, then it said, it also oh, raises, wow.
1: but it raises the question, Phil, did the, did the, can the DOD do this if this is a bioweapon? And if it, is, if it is, did they recognize it as a bioweapon? And why didn't they tell the American public that at the time?
2: I don't know. But all I do know now is that the damage that's been done is being done and will be done in the future cannot be fixed unless the immediate withdrawal of these so-called COVID-19 vaccines does not occur. It should occur. I've been in situations where there's been a um, commonly used drug on the market and I'm sitting in a medical department, the head of the medical department of a pharmaceutical here in Australia. And there's a newspaper article about toxicity, embryo toxicity, one single report from one unit in Sydney. And it led to an immediate meeting with the TGA to discuss what the hell was this about? because it's a commonly used drug. one a single report in animals, right? Mm -hmm. We're not not talking about that. We, We have a truckload of data now and there are red flags everywhere. And our TGA still says, these things are safe and efficacious and they have never withdrawn that statement. And that is reprehensible. And in my personal view, now that we know the data, it is criminal. Those responsible have criminal exposure. Now, I know some people are looking at this now. And in in the beginning, I had some sympathy for these people because I knew they weren't stupid or corrupt and everything else. And I didn't really know what's going on, but that was a long time ago. Now, now everyone knows. Now, the media is trying their very best to suppress the information. And the media, if the media weren't on the side of the people who are pushing these dangerous vaccines, it would all stop. This this would all stop.
1: The media, okay. the media, the legacy media, and I say this is somebody who grew media. up in the legacy media in the United States. The legacy yeah. media in Australia needs to get their heads out of cement, not listen to the government, put out the plethora of evidence that is sitting before them, right. and report it to the public, and stop That's this right. because the the name of the game is Vax hesitancy. That's what these pharmaceutical and these people want to do. And they also want to cover their dairy heirs at this point because we've been able to collect enough information and prove that they are consciously without of conscience. But you're talking about the COVID shots. Phil, what about the fact that UNICEF has come out in August of 2020 in their own documentation and said that they're going to be distributing, you know, mRNA, influenza, tuberculosis, malaria to sub-Saharan African children. They're the largest purchaser of vaccinations in the world. So this isn't just about COVID shots using mRNA. This is about other shots using mRNA. I mean, should mRNA just be taken off
2: the shelf at this point in time? There's insufficient safety data to support their use. Right now, what we have in normal cases, when you develop a vaccine, and most people you ask someone in the street about vaccines, most people would consider them to be safe, right?
1: Because they're, th- they're because they've been sold that all vaccinations are safe, which is not necessarily true. But having Absol- said that,
2: absolutely not. I <clears throat> changed my opinion about vaccines in general. Now, because,
1: of, because of the COVID-19?
2: Absolutely. They, they've lied. There's been misinformation, disinformation. And if you can't trust what they're saying about these vaccines, you can't trust what they're saying about any vaccines. Now, let me tell you, when you develop a vaccine or a conventional drug over 8 to 10 years, during that time frame, you collect very precise adverse drug reaction reporting data on people. The, I've, I've worked on uh, clinical trials where the CRF, the case reporting form, that's, that's the form that doctors have to fill out whenever they see a patient and tick the boxes and, and provide the lab data and the safety data and the X-ray data and everything else. Could be 1,500 pages long, 1,500 pages long right? That's the level of detail that big pharma can go into. And over 10 years, they generate an enormous amount of safety data. That's their business, right? Now, even over 10 years, and even if you investigate in clinical trials, five or 10,000 individuals with various levels of disease and uh, conditions, you miss many adverse events that aren't really apparent don't might occur, but they don't pop out, you know, they're not that visible, when you're looking at five or 10. If you have an adverse event that occurs two or three times in 5000, to make that connection, is often very difficult. That's why you have post-marketing adverse drug reaction reporting schemes. So when a drug gets used by millions of people, doctors can write in and they can say, look, I I saw a patient who I started on this drug and they, they had this odd reaction, they never had it before. And they report that and after after a while, patterns do emerge. And I've been involved in these situations where I've actually submitted dossiers for drugs that many years later, they were withdrawn. I, I didn't see it, no one saw it. But in adverse drug reaction reporting, you can, you can pick up these things. Now, under the emergency use authorization and the provisional uh, approval system in Australia, We've, we've, we've shrunk that 10 years of development and that very close looking
0: mm-hmm.
2: at adverse drug reactions down, down to nothing, down, down to one clinical trial, down to 170 patients. Really? And so we're now reliant on the post-marketing adverse drug reaction reporting sy- systems to report serious adverse events and deaths.
1: And we're intimidating oh. doctors so that and they doctors the dots. And we're intimidating doctors if they report to theirs. And we're intimidating patients if they report to theirs. And we're intimidating any 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 uh, exemptions by the doctors so that whether religious or medical, not to take the COVID shots. So Absolutely. it's a complete shutdown of the ethics. I mean. Quite frankly, pharma equals the word corruption to people at this point in time right. because there's no, ethic, there's no ethics whatsoever.
2: Well, you, you cannot have, at the same time, an emergency use authorization system mm-hmm. and a broken adverse drug reaction reporting system like we have in Australia. You, you can't have them both at the same time. So so let's talk about, I mean,
1: at this point in time, I know that there was a former member of the parliament who came forward and testified, and she had a, I want to say mild, uh, as opposed to her partner's uh, reaction to the COVID shot, which, was, which she called severe. Are, is there a tide that's turning in Australia for some of these people? I mean, is it getting to the point where it's embarrassing for people to basically say I made a mistake, I changed my mind?
2: Look, it's, um, it's, it's really incredible that uh, a person like uh, Karen Phelps, who, who you mentioned, um, had to be hit personally with a serious adverse event post-vaccination and her partner had to be hit with a serious adverse event for her to wake up. She should have seen that um, more than a year ago. I believe that any thinking, credible health practitioner who cares to look beyond the mainstream media would recognize the magnitude of the problem that we're facing. Some of them don't want to look very difficult because they've injected people, they told them that it's safe and efficacious, and these people come back with arrhythmias, high blood pressure. Some of them die suddenly and from an emotional point of view, I'm not a clinician, I'm a pharmacologist, but I i would find it very hard to face that within myself, knowing that I made such a mistake and I didn't bother to look. So a lot of these people live in a bubble and they don't even want to discuss it. I i play sport, play tennis with a group of friends. Many of them know what I do. They don't even ask a question. they all of them have been vaccinated. I, I couldn't play with them for, for over a year. They wouldn't play with me. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> it's it's, it's uh, difficult, right? I c- couldn't go to a street party.
1: Will they play I mean, with you? Will they play with you? You now, Phil?
2: Oh yes! Oh yeah, 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 now. But they, but they don't ask questions. Mm-hmm. It's very mm-hmm. difficult, and and I think some of them have tweaked. Some of them are doctors, right? Um, some of them have tweaked, and and I I suspect they're thinking I've been duped, and they, they don't want to face that. It's much. E- easier to convince someone of a lie than to convince them that they've been duped, that they've been lied to. Right? Well, here's, very here, here, difficult.
1: here's where we are, though, in terms of moral courage. If we do not want to see this happen again, we need to step up to the plate, whether we have been duped, whether we want to say we've been lied to, I mean, there's some people that I'm not gonna accept that they were lied to because they were too close to the circle. I'm sorry, that's just, I, I, I'm not, that is, that's called a CYA. Yeah. Anybody that's been involved with vaccinations knows that the rules were broken, that has yeah. been at Pfizer, Moderna, or J&J, or any other of the, and I know this to be true because I've interviewed whistleblowers on the inside of other pharmaceutical companies. They have called me and said, Christine, I don't understand why we are being mandated to take these shots. They're not cops. They're not police officers. They're here in the United States, but they have a Japanese parent company. And Japan has said we're not going to force people to take it. But the CEO of the American pharmaceutical company said we are forced to take it. I did a 30-minute dive into who these people are. They're connected to Gates, and they're going into the mRNA non-COVID shots in the future. So, people have to say, where's the moral courage if we don't want this to happen again? Do you think, Phil, at this point in time, that mRNA should be shut down, examined, uh, taken off the market beyond the COVID shots?
2: I think if you look at the data, the overall sweep of data, the real data, more people have been killed by these shots, then have been saved. And for that reason, they should be withdrawn immediately. Now, I, you talk about people within Big Pharma, right? When mm. I first heard about, when I read about the Brooke Jackson story, I couldn't believe it. Because I had several Brooke Jackson type people working for me, I trained them personally to manage clinical trial sites, to ensure that there was good clinical practice, that all the data was collected and the outstanding data was chased up and any incongruent data was investigated and and would go to any length to do that. And And I couldn't believe what was happening with Brooke Jackson, so I got on the phone and I rang her up. And I talked to her. Mm-hmm. My God, I, I got off the phone and I was absolutely devastated mm-hmm. because- It's a hell of a I story. Work- well, I, well, I've been working in this industry for all my life. And there's hundreds of people like me that, that, know, that have my level of experience in drug development from go to woe, right? Can see the whole picture. Know how their system works, and they worked for decades. There's hundreds of people like me, either now working within big pharma or consultants, or retired, like myself. And they're not standing up. There's only a a, a few people who have stood up, and and Robert Malone is. Is one of these people because he he had a lot of regulatory experience, so so he's he's another guy that. But he also he also, the, he also
1: wrote that he also wrote that paper in January 2020, saying that mRNA should not be. It wasn't a paper; it was a pre-published article. He he came out in January 2020 and said that mRNA should not be used in, in humans, but it took him until 2021 to come out publicly.
2: Well, well, yes. I, I mean, there's a lot of forces at at play here. I, I, I admire Robert Malone tremendously for um, how he's exposing the truth on this group of products. They they are not a a conventional group of products and they have they have serious potential long-term adverse effects that have not been looked at. And, and people need to really reconsider whether these things should stay in the market. And- uh, Well, our- it's, not,
1: it's not just staying on the market. It's the whole process of, of investigating coronaviruses and wanting to turn it into a seasonal shot. I mean, that is, yeah. that's, that's yeah. the business model of mRNA.
2: Yeah, well, th- this, this whole COVID pandemic thing um, is, uh, is turning into some very uh, dark, a very dark story. Mm-hmm. I mean, a- anyone who looks at PCR tests knows any scientist. You don't have to be a PhD biochemist to understand what a PCR test is, right? Um, the PCR tests that they're, that they're using now to drive the fear of the pandemic is not diagnostic for disease was never designed to be diagnostic for disease is not accurately reporting on the detection of SARS-CoV-2 most of the PCR tests the primer that's used I won't get technical here but the primer Mm -hmm. that's used to to uh, Uh, isolate the target of the PCR test is unknown and is commercial in confidence. And it, in many cases, is not the right primer. That's right. The PCR test should never be used to drive health policy, should never be used to drive fear. And from the beginning, it was used to drive fear. Now, people knew this. People knew this. If they didn't know about mRNA vaccines, they knew this. And, and you're talking about hopeable.
1: people within the healthcare industry. Absolutely. Industry. That's absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what does that tell you, Phil? What does that tell you in terms of people knew that, but they went along with that? I know people who had COVID and kept on getting tested, and they said they kept on testing positive. And I said, why are you getting tested? You've got antibodies if you've already had COVID before.
2: More and more people think this this was planned, Uh, this was used as a tool, and um, they didn't really care how many people died or were injured. Now, I, I, I talk to people that firmly believe that, and And every day that goes by that the direction that we're taking is not corrected, I lean more and more toward that point of view because it's just facts. I mean, they are building right now in Melbourne, in Australia and planning to build in Queensland, two plants to produce mRNA vaccines not only for, for COVID, but for most vaccines. Now, what they're gonna say is the lipo nanoparticle has been used, not they'll they'll avoid saying it's been fully approved. They'll just say that it's been approved. They, they'll skirt around the fact that it hasn't been fully approved. They'll say that's, that's been used safely. Uh, and proven to be effective. So we can load that with almost any mRNA. We can test that in eight mice. And uh, provided we get an immune response, uh, we, we can give that to infants, to kids, six months to, to five years, children, adolescents. We can give it to everyone. That's where they're going with this. And who's, building, who's building
1: the plants? It's
2: a, it's, it's a Moderna plant, but done. They're both Moderna plants, as far as I'm aware. As far as I'm aware, Moderna have never successfully achieved full registration of any therapeutic. So um,
1: I'm going to to announce today, okay? And you can tell everybody in Australia, I'm going to send internal Moderna documents to Australia because Australians who are fighting this need to see these documents. I'm going to release them. Yeah. I don't know. Because this this uh, this has gone on too far. We know that Pfizer to get the uh, uh, Israeli contract and that was exclusive as far as i know uh at least it was when i was investigating uh israel uh they they have agreed to have a, a pfizer manufacturing plant rwanda yeah. P- president paul kagame was at davos he was on the stage with i think i think it was gates or it was the ceo from pfizer they're building a, a manufacturing plant in rwanda they're they're doing they're, so you know i guess i guess if you if you want to build foreign plants and they don't have the old fashioned FDA gold standard that used to apply in a foreign country, that may be the way to skirt around, not having to have protocols in the future as well. But this is dangerous when people are talking about MRNAs and other shots, when we know it's a catastrophic
2: failure. worldwide. this, this, uh, so-called public-private partnership stuff is a red flag. To my mind, I mean, I'm not an expert in politics or political science, but that smacks to me of fascism. Public-private partnership is what fascism was Mm -hmm. against the people, right? And that's what we're seeing. We can't see these contracts. They're they're confidential. The Australian people cannot see what they're paying billions of dollars for, cannot see the contracts. Why not? That's well, really important. It's very important. And the, American, the,
1: the, the, the um, American pharmaceutical have to be pressured, I think from overseas, and it should come from people in Australia, in Canada, England, Western civilization, who have any of these contracts with their governments.
0: They yeah. need to,
1: it's the public and the media, the legacy media that I grew up in. I'm, I'm asking them to step forward because this is, this, is, this is like watching Rwandan genocide, only it's medical genocide at this point in time. It is, people Phil, need
2: to stand up.
1: So, and so I always say people shouldn't be on the bench. So Phil, what do you have to say in closing out this conversation to the people who you know, know, what's going on, but they haven't
2: stepped forward. I, I encourage them to step up, to go as far as they can. It's, it's, it's every, every person that you talk to has to be approached a little bit differently. It's a very sensitive, very emotional thing. There's a lot of guilt there from people who know they've made a mistake and don't want to admit it, don't want to face the facts. But you have to gingerly work on them. Some people are a, a lost cause. I, I don't waste my time, and I can tell within seconds if a person uh, has has uh, just shut down. If the shutters have just come down, there's no point in pursuing it. I'm I'm too busy uh, trying to get the message out with uh, uh, great people like yourself and 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 other people. But you need to go. I, I go and I stand in a park every other week and I speak with 30 people from all walks of life, right? I, I go down there, I'll speak with 30 people. I'll, 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 I'll speak with, with anyone who rings me up who, who wants to discuss it. The guy that that strung my tennis racket the other day, I'm in email touch with him. He didn't know what I was doing, right? So I'm answering his emails and trying to let him know, you know, he's, he's been vaxxed and boosted. He he needs to know what's, what's going on. Um, God love you. So so it doesn't matter. You got to spend the time. You got to spend the effort. You have to do everything you can to, to, to spread the word.
1: Anything else you want to say, Phil, as we close this out? We w- we're going to have you back. So this is not your last conversation with us. But- look, look, truth will be
2: out. Uh, the, the, the truth is coming out more and more. And as more and more people realize that they're being personally impacted, whether they have an arrhythmia that they never had or their blood pressure has gone up or they have uh, facial numbness or problems with tinnitus or something wrong with their eyes or 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 cancer or cancer cancer. i know friends of mine have suddenly developed cancers you know so you know this this is very difficult to face Um, but you have to keep plugging away we will get there the word will spread but every day that these things are on the market damage is being done and this is why it's important it's one of the most important things I've ever done in my life is is uh speaking uh, as widely as I can to to whoever I can speak to to just tell them what I know uh and to warn them but I I think the truth the truth is coming out it's been slow it's been agonizing and it's it's Simply because of the of the uh, censorship by by the media, and hopefully that that will end. So sorry about the phone. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah,
1: it is. I mean the, the, um, my colleagues in the legacy media are doing much damage and they're being intimidated by their governments and they're being bought off wow. in some instances by foundations and by, wow. and, I'm, and I'm not talking just in the U.S. i S I'm talking foreign press as well, Gates foundation yeah. and governments. And it's wrong. <clears throat> it's wrong. We live in a world where there has always been dissent and we live in a world where we live in a country in, in my country in America, where we had freedom of speech. So, uh, this, this is the hill I'm going to die on because, because I can't, it's very difficult uh, as an investigative journalist and television producer for 40 years to sit on the sidelines and watch people die. Yeah. And I've, had, I've lost friends. Yeah. I had a friend who had turbo cancer, daily runner. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Took six months after he got yeah. a booster.
2: I know many of my friends are injured. Mm-hmm. Do directly. You can just see it. I've tried to talk them out of being vaccinated. Uh, one physician friend of mine, I try. I took him out for dinner. <laughs> I tried my very best. No, well, he he had to do it because he was involved in a in a huge practice, mm-hmm. and got vaccinated. Blood pressure hit two twenty. Systolic blood pressure. And and
1: everybody, everybody has a story, either, you know, a a family member, a friend, a friend of a friend. I mean, the stories are there. You have to listen to it. Phil Altman. I know that uh, Dr. Peter McCullough is heading your way. I think it's in February. He's going to be in Australia. I interviewed him
2: last night. Uh, I Uh, would love to link up with him. If you can, if you can put me in touch with uh, Peter, I, I knows he, I, I, I know he knows of my name because he tweeted out, uh, my paper, a, a reference to my paper. So uh, uh, I know he's coming to Australia. Uh, I we'll we'll to get you in we'll, we'll touch. <laughs> we okay. will get, we'll, we, we,
1: we get all the good guys together, you know, okay. we'll get all the good guys together. Okay. And, and thank you for speaking out. It's nice to, to have you on the show and we will have you back and, and yeah, happy New Year and happy holidays to you and your family.
2: Thank you for having
0: me. Thank you. And please come back.